So that's the study we're going to be embarking on next week. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and they're each significant, showing us, his people, how God, Jesus, can meet our each and every need that we have today. And this study will just open your eyes to who Jesus is and how we can know him more intimately and personally. So I would invite you to come back next week and uh, just see what, what God has for us during this summer, ser- summer sermon series. Say that a couple times fast and see if you can do it. Uh, but today, we celebrate the 4th of July, which is next, next or tomorrow. Uh, like Jeremy said, 246 years uh, our nation has been around. It's a young nation, but we are a blessed nation. And one of the things is if you watch the news and you watch what's going on, there seems like there's a lot of div- division, a lot of disunity. And it seems like our nation seems to be broken. And as I've been studying, especially the writings of Paul over the last several weeks, there's some words that he uses that really stands out to me. In fact, I think there are six words that Paul emphasizes in some of his writings that can change our nation if we not only say those six words, but we live them out in our life. And so that's what I want to focus on today. But before we get there, let's start our reading in Psalms, the book of Psalm. It's Psalm 33, verse 12. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, the psalmist writes this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. This is the reading of your word for your people, and we praise you, God. Help us to understand that we are blessed, that we have so much to be thankful for, and it's all because of you, God. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, like I said, tomorrow our nation celebrates its 246th birthday, Monday, July the 4th, 2022. And one of the things that you have to understand, and I know they don't teach this as much in school as they used to, but it is a very important thing to remember is that we are a nation that is very unique. Number one, we are very young compared to a lot of other nations throughout the world. But we are a nation that was founded on biblical principles. And one of the reasons we've had such great blessing and such great success is because our founding fathers believed in the Bible and believed in that that whole institution of freedom. They didn't want to live under a monarchy. They didn't want to live under tyranny. They believed that every man, woman, and child should be free. And those are principles found in the Bible. In fact, when you look at some of the founding fathers' original writings, you will see very clearly that they believed in that concept of serving God and freedom. In fact, George Washington in his inaugural address said, it would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplication to that almighty being. George Washington truly believed in God, Yahweh, almighty God, and he believed as, as the first leader of this country, his number one priority was following the Lord. That fervent supplication that he talks about there. 
out of the 55 people who formed the Constitution, not everyone, I know Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, they were deists, but out of the 55 who formed the Constitution, 52 of them were Christians, and not only that, they were active members of their churches as well. So they truly believed in this concept of biblical freedom. And even John Adams, our second president, said that the general principles which the fathers achieved independence, that freedom we celebrate tomorrow, were the general principles of Christianity. You see, all those men that created this nation, who signed that Declaration of Independence, who created the Constitution, believed in that Bible verse that we saw in the video. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. They truly believe that, and that's one of the reasons we are a blessed nation. Just like the psalmist said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord whose God is Yahweh, whose God is almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. And make no mistake, freedom is not free. It has been paid for by the blood and lives of many people. We know that there are many people who gave their life on the beaches of Normandy, uh, throughout world history, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, all throughout, they gave their life for freedom. But the greatest emancipator isn't, ben, or isn't Abraham Lincoln. It really is Jesus Christ. When he died on that cross, he set us free. Not only free, but free indeed. And that's another thing that these founders knew. They knew that freedom was something that we could have as a nation, but we can have freedom in Christ as well. And freedom is never free. It's probably one of the most costly things that we will ever have. And if we don't guard it, and we don't defend it, we could lose it with generations to come. In fact, now we look at our nation and it's very divided. We saw this in the video and I love that video that Corey put, put up there. We are a nation now that's bound by division, chained by disunity, consumed by selfishness. It's about not what I can do for my government, but what my government can do for me. It's all about me, 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 me and we see a divided nation. And because of that, we are experiencing an epidemic of violence, poverty, brokenness, addiction. I'm not telling you anything new. You watch the news, you watch even the local news, and they can't even put all the stories on the news about the violence, the poverty, the brokenness. But that's where we are at in our nation. And so the question is, what's the solution? What's the solution? Now, some would say, well, maybe you ascribe to a political party. I don't think that's the solution. Maybe you get behind one great politician. I don't think that's the solution either. I think we all need to vote. We all need to be active. But that's not the solution to heal our nation. I think the solution, once again, goes back to the Bible. The Bible can guide us. The Bible can get us back on track. The Bible can get us to where we need to be, not only as individuals, not only as families and as a church, but even as a nation. There are six words that can change our nation. And let me share a little bit where those six words come from. Paul, in his writing to the church in Corinth, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I like to make things simple. So really, when you look at that verse, 
there are really, really is one statement that Paul is saying. He is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Can you say those words with me? Follow me as I follow Christ. Those six words can change this nation forever. Those six words can change your family. Those six words can change your life. Those six words can change your workplace. Follow me as I follow Christ. And you might say, well, Pastor Ed, Paul's writing to a bunch of Christians. Of course, you know, he can say that and they're gonna fall in line and they're not nearly broken like our nation is broken. Well, once again, let's remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And if you know anything about the church in Corinth, they're a mess. They're a mess. In fact, the first 10 chapters of that book, Paul is addressing some of the brokenness, some of the disunity, some of the dysfunction that is in that church. There's division, there's denominationalism, there's worldly wisdom that they're choosing over godly wisdom. There was sexual immorality in the church. Brethren were suing other brethren in that church. Marriage relationships were broken. They were trying to live out this freedom, but they had no idea of the responsibility that freedom took. In fact, they were, offer, they were eating meat that was offered to idols. They were even taking communion in a very non-reverent way. So this church was a mess. This church was as broken as our nation was broken. And Paul, throughout the book of First and Second Corinthians, is addressing each of these, these problems, these issues, but the biggest challenge that he gives to anyone in that church is his himself. Because in chapter 11, verse one, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He puts the biggest challenge on him. And you might say, well, once again, Pastor Ed, that's easy for the Apostle Paul. I'm no Apostle Paul. I've never preached a sermon in my life. I've never written a book of the Bible. I'm not the Apostle Paul. None of us are. But let's remember who the Apostle Paul was. He himself said he was the chief of sinners. He himself admits that he was persecuting Christians, persecuting Christ. When Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, Paul was there watching in agreement and watching the whole thing happen. He was the chief of sinners. And even after his Damascus conversion, that conversion on the road to Damascus, Paul had a very public dispute and conflict with Peter. And it got a little out of control. And once again, even though Paul was probably right with his point of view, he was not patient. He was not kind. He was, once again, Paul, straightforward to the point and not really displaying that attitude of Christ. So when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, he's not saying that he has flawless behavior. He's not saying that he doesn't make mistakes because there's only one that ever lived with flawless behavior and not making any mistakes. What he's saying is, I'm going to do my best to follow the example that Christ has given me. And when I fail, God's grace is sufficient. When I am weak, he is strong. He is my strength, just like we sing about today. And if we look at this verse in that lens, each and every one of us can make this a, a, an example of this and say, follow me 
as I follow Christ? Can we go to our children and say, follow me as I follow Christ? Can we go to our coworkers and say, follow me as I follow Christ? Can we go to our community and say, follow me as I follow Christ? Can you today make that six word proclamation to people that you know? What would it be like if everyone could look at your life? Would you be able to make that statement? Would they be able to look at your social media posts and those people that get under your skin? Do you respond in Christ-likeness or do you respond in a different way? What if they looked at how you spent your time? Are you setting that Christ-like example? How about how you spend your money? Oh, that's a big one. Are you honoring God with those resources that he's provided? How do you interact with others, even those people that you might not click with right away? Are you able to show the love of Christ to people that maybe get under your skin a little bit? Look at how I live my life when I am alone. That's probably the greatest thing. The only one that knows how you live your life when you are alone are you and God. Is that another area where we can be a Christ-like example? If someone were to look at our alone time, would they see Christ or would they see selfishness and self-centeredness? The biggest question of all is, do people see in me Christ's example? And that's what Paul is telling us. That's what he's telling these ragtag believers in the church of Corinth. He's saying, hey, listen, you guys make mistakes. I make mistakes, but follow me as I follow Christ. Yield to his will and to his way. And even when you make mistakes, offer forgiveness, offer love, offer grace, and let Christ shine through you. I think it was said best in Sunday school today where it's Christ living in me and through me to reach out to the world around me. And that's what Paul is telling us to do. We need to live in such a way that others will see Jesus in us and want to know who this Jesus is. That is what will change the world. It might not be one big, massive movement, but even if you change the world one heart, one life at a time, follow me as I follow Christ. So what is Christ's example? How do we follow Christ in our life? Well, if we look at Christ and what his life was, and so many people say, well, I wonder what God's like. I wonder what God, what, how God works and how he moves. Look no further than Christ because Christ is God in the flesh, moving and serving and helping people. So when you look at the example of Christ, and he is our example, he's who we're trying to follow, what are some of the characteristics that we see in Jesus? Number one, we see that he loved. He loved. He loved with a love that would not let people go. His love was unconditional. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He reached out to you. He was the one who had loving compassion, deeply aware of other people's needs. He was the one who went and made a connection with a woman at the well. He's the one who said to Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree, even though you're a tax collector, I'm coming to your house today to have a meal and fellowship with you. He's the one who healed the woman with an issue of blood. He had a way of looking beyond that person and seeing their need and having such a deep awareness of what they needed, he would reach out in love. 
do we do that today? You see, we have to understand that when we see the brokenness of our world, the brokenness of our nation, we need to understand we were as broken as anyone else that we come into contact with. And when we understand that, we can truly love like Christ loved. Making sure that we're reaching beyond and reaching out to a person right where they need them. I love this story, and maybe it's because we have a little puppy in our house now that drives me crazy, but I'm learning to love her slowly but surely. But I love the story of a little boy that really talks about compassion, that deep awareness of someone's need. This little boy wanted a puppy, and so he went to the pet store, and he saw this little puppy, and on 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 the pet store sign it said, puppies for sale, $10. I wish we only paid $10 for our little puppy. That would have been great. $10 for this puppy. And uh, the, the boy looked at all the puppies that were running around in this litter, and he found one that he really liked. But this little puppy limped a little bit. It was the runt of the litter. It was small, and it had this little bit of a limp. And the boy looked at all the puppies, and he told the pet store owner, that's the one. That's the one, the little runt, the one that limps a little bit, that's the one that I want. And the pet store owner said, okay, if that's what you want. He said, I need to work a couple weeks and save my allowance, but I want that puppy. And the pet store owner thought about it and said, you know something, I don't know, that puppy, he can't run and play like all the other dogs. He's very small, you know, he's just not like the other dogs. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna just give you this puppy. And the boy was adamant. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to work. I'm going to save my allowance. I want to get that puppy. And so he went and he worked. He saved his allowance. He came back with the full $10 and that puppy was the only one left. And the pet store owner again said, you know, all the other puppies sold. This is the only one left. I'm willing to give you this puppy. You don't even have to spend your $10. And the boy said, no, I want to do that. He said, this puppy is exactly what I need. And the little boy raised his pant leg and revealed a brace. And he knew that that puppy was for him because he knew the need that dog had. He all his life had been told he couldn't run and play with all the other kids. And so he knew he had compassion on that puppy. How many times do we see people with addictions, with brokenness. And it's real easy for us to to not engage. But if we really look at our life, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be in that same boat. We all have brokenness. We all have things that weigh us down and hold us back. Reaching out in Christ-like love looks beyond the person and sees that need. It's someone that reaches and meets the need of an individual. Are you sharing Christ's love with people today? The other thing we see with Jesus is he served. He served. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. We see him. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi. And he picks up the servant's towel, and he starts to wash the dusty, dirty feet of the disciples because he was there to serve them. If we are truly following the example of Christ, we need to be able to serve other people 
right where they are. He prayed. I love this. Every miracle that we, Jesus did, you know, you look at those miracles, they're powerful. But every time he would do a miracle, he would go and he would find quiet time to pray to his heavenly father. And the disciples noticed this. They noticed that everything that Jesus did was saturated by prayer. So much so that they said, teacher, teach us to pray. We see the power that you have. When you pray, miracles happen. Teach us to pray this way. And Jesus taught them the Lord's prayer at that time. Jesus lived a life of prayer. He did nothing apart from his father. And we need to become people of prayer. We need to be people who get on our knees and pray for our nation, pray for our political leaders, pray for our, our first responders like Jeremy did this morning. We need to pray for our family members, our, our students, our coworkers. We need to be people of prayer. Paul puts it best when he says, pray without ceasing, pray continually. We see that modeled in our example, Jesus Christ. Jesus forgave. That's a tough one. So many times we carry the pains and the hurts of people who wrongly did us, who hurt us, who destroyed us. And those things are some of the more deeper wounds that we have. But we see even Jesus as he's being killed and beaten on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Are you willing to forgive? And then finally, he sacrificed. We talked about it already. He gave his life on the cross. No greater love has any man than he laid down his life for a friend. How willing are you to sacrifice? How willing are you to give of yourself? I love the story. One more, and these are some of my favorites, but of a little boy by the name of Dan Clark who always wanted to go to the circus. He always dreamed about that. He had gone to the fair, he'd gone to carnivals, never got to go to the circus, but he saw in his hometown that there was the circus coming to town. And so he talked to his dad and his dad said, yeah, let's, let's go to the circus. We'll go and, and, and enjoy that. It'll be fun. And so they went to the circus and they were standing in line to buy their tickets. And as they stood in line, they saw a family there. And Dan said he could tell even though their clothes were clean, they weren't the nicest clothes. There were some holes in the shoes of the kids. But this family of about five people, the mom, the dad, and three kids, were all getting right in front of them, getting in line to buy their tickets to the circus. That family, the dad got up to the booth, and he said how many people he had. The person that was selling the tickets gave him the price. And as he started to count out his money, this horrible look came across his face. Dan said it was obvious that the man did not have enough money to bring his entire family to the circus. And he said, Dan said he saw something his dad did that changed his life forever, a sacrifice. His dad reached into his pocket and dropped some money on the ground, bent down and picked it up, and he said, Sir, I think you dropped this. And the man looked at it, tears welling up in his eyes, and he said, thank you, thank you. He gave the money to the ticket holder, and that entire family of five got to go and see the circus. Dan said he didn't get to see the circus that day. But what he saw his father do 
that love of Christ, that sacrifice, changed his life forever. Are we willing to follow Christ's example? Follow me as I follow Christ. Are you willing to love like Jesus? Serve like Jesus? Pray like Jesus? Forgive like Jesus? Sacrifice like Jesus? If we can do that, I'm telling you, we can change our nation. Like Jeremy said, our nation is divided like never before. We see protests, it seems like, daily. People fighting against each other. Even on social media, I'm shocked at Christians who are tearing other people down. We need to get to the point where we say the six words that Paul told the Corinthian church. Follow me as I follow Christ. Can you say that with me again? Follow me as I follow Christ. Easy to say, hard to live out. But we can do it through his strength, through his sufficient grace, that when we are weak, he is strong. That can be the six words that change our nation forever. I close with this. There was a, Evan came home from school several years ago and told me about a new student in his school. And he said, Dad, the student, he seems like a nice guy, really good guy, but you know, he stood up in front of uh, our class, even told our teachers that he is an atheist, an atheist. And I was like, oh man, because Evan goes to a Christian school and I was like, an atheist, I, I don't know about this. I go, well, what did you do? And he goes, well, Eddie and Drew and I, we invited them to be our friend. And I'm like, what? what? What's gonna happen? They're, they're, pretty soon we're gonna have all these uh, arguments. We're gonna have to get into apologetics with my son because he has a friend who's an atheist. And I was like, I don't know about this. But I said, okay, okay. I kept my cool as a dad and allowed it to happen. Here's the amazing thing. As this, this boy who was a professed atheist was arguing with some of the Christian teachers about different things as he began to develop friendships at the school. And they began to see Christ. And those young men, this, this boy just graduated this year. And what is the coolest thing is he got up in front of the senior class at Echoing Hills and gave a devotional about Jesus. That is the kind of power a Christ-like example can have on an individual's life. You don't beat them over the head with a Bible book or Bible verse. You don't get into arguments about what is right and what is wrong. It's love, serve, pray, forgive, sacrifice. Follow me as I follow Christ. And we can change the lives of individuals and even this nation together if we do that. One of the ways we follow Christ is by being obedient to him. And one of the things Christ commanded us to do as believers is to partake in the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. And so to close this service out today, we're going to participate in communion. Now, if you're a visitor here, even if you're not a member of our church, we would love for you to participate if you have a relationship with Christ. If Christ is your Lord and Savior, like we sang about, you are welcome at the King's table. 
He welcomes you with open arms, and so do we. So we invite you to participate. I'm gonna have Pastor Jeremy and I come up and we're gonna prepare these elements. What we like to do, if you wanna participate, we're gonna have some music, you can come forth. We have all the elements in one spot. So if we're not doing a separate cup, a separate bread, COVID did away with that. But we have all the elements in one little container. Grab one of those containers, take it back to your seat, and then we, as God's people, as his children, will participate in the Lord's Supper together, once again, following that example that Christ has set for us. So at this time, we'll, we'll prepare this, and once we get this ready, I'll give you the signal. Feel free to come up. We're going to have our kids join us as well, so it should be a good time of remembering what Christ has done so that we can experience glorious freedom. 